This is New Bedford's News Talk Station, the place where the South Coast comes to talk about all the hottest issues locally and beyond. This is WBSM. Call in to have your voice heard at 508-996-0500 or open up the WBSM app and hit app chat to text us or open line to leave us a voicemail. Let's hear it, South Coast. Number two of the program, and the phone lines are open for you at 508-996-0500. You can also send us app chat messages on the WBSM app or open line voicemails if you would rather do that on the WBSM app. But there was a, an, a, an update that CNN had posted regarding the... So you, you've heard about the banging that they're hearing in the search for the missing submersible that um, there are some aircraft that are picking up auditory signals and some of the researchers who are uh, in the water picking up this banging sound that they think could be related to the, the people on board that submersible. Uh, but there was a an, a an expert who was on CNN saying, and this is David Gallo, Senior Advisor for Strategic Initiatives for IM, RMS Titanic Incorporated. He says, when I first heard about the banging, I said, oh no, here we go again. In the search for Malaysian Airlines, we heard banging quite often, and it always turned out to be something different. But he said that authorities will probably start moving ships and tools in that direction, whether it's identified or not, because time is short. Now, he owns Gallo's, well, Gallo's company owns the exclusive salvage rights to the Titanic wreck site. And he said that banging on the vessel to transmit noise is, quote, something that P.H. Nargelet would certainly do. Now, he's the renowned explorer, Paul, Paul-Henri Nargelet, who is on the submersible. Um, so he could very well be knocking, and they will certainly hear any signals that they're trying to send to the submersible. And according to Gallo, he says, sound carries very easily through the ocean. You would hear it in the sub for sure. I mean, I, I find that fascinating because if, if they're knocking in the sub, but they don't know where the sub is, how are they hearing that come back? How How is that sound traveling back to them? I, I get that sound travels in the ocean, but you would think that there, was, there would still be a distance problem, that it wouldn't be traveling miles, right? So maybe, maybe they can develop a little bit of a, a Morse code back and forth and see if this isn't, you know, P.H. Augelet that's actually trying to communicate with them. I know that when I go underwater, and I don't do it often, but when I go underwater, you know, I I can hear things kind of in my immediate vicinity. But then again, I'm not in the depths of the ocean either. 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How, How are you? Doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. There's another new story that's not getting much traction. What's that? And that's uh, Joe Biden approved and signed 
that all federal buildings and all courthouses on the top of the roof uh, have uh, beehives. And uh, the reason he says uh, that you're going to have beehives and uh, uh, beekeepers on the top of these uh, federal buildings and courthouses is because uh, to increase the production of honey and to increase the number of bees. I don't know if you heard about this. No, I hadn't heard about it, but um, I know that they were looking at some um, they were looking at some federal regulations that might help with the loss of the bee population. I don't. I mean, putting them on top of federal buildings, I guess, is okay. I mean, it just well, seems like that's an awfully high, in a lot of cases, that's awfully high for the bees to have to go down and 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 pollinate flowers and come back and all that stuff. Yeah, well, it's happening, and uh, and uh, beekeepers too. You might want to look into. Uh that new story. Yeah, the story that I see right here says uh, honeybees can fly three to five miles from the roof in their quest for pollen. I, I had no idea that bees traveled that, that great of a distance. Yeah, my only concern is, you know, being attacked by swarms of bees, you know? Well, Someone I, disrupts their hive. I thought the same thing when they started putting them in cranberry bogs because I, yeah. I, don't, I don't do well with bees. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of bees at all. But oh, right. I started seeing them put them in the cranberry bogs, and I was like, great. So now every time I drive by a cranberry bog, I'm going to have bees flying in my car. But they, they really haven't been that much of an issue, and I'm, I'm sure it would probably be similar with this, especially since in a lot of cases they'd be pretty high up. Yeah, it's those wooden boxes. I don't know if you, you've probably seen them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, those wooden boxes, and they have uh, those compartments inside where they... I uh, have the honeycombs. Yeah, but looks, that's, looks, uh, looks kind of like a beat-up old dresser on the outside. Yeah, yeah, and they're putting up. It's not just one. It's many of them are being put on top of federal buildings. I didn't know if you knew, but it's an interesting story that's not getting much traction. A lot to do about that submarine that's... Uh, I was watching something on the news, and they said they had like a game, uh, one of these uh, game uh, joysticks, I guess, uh, to control... Yeah, like an, uh, the, an Xbox the, controller, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And, uh, I mean, they showed a uh, picture of it, and it looks like uh, just a rinky-dink type of thing. You would think that they would have a very sophisticated submarine if you're going to go down to those depths. The other thing is the pressure. You know, the the more and the, they get closer down and deep into the seafloor, the amount of pressure, too, uh, that's exerted on... It's almost like a soda can. You know, you go down in that prey, you can just get crushed under there. So that's another thing is air pressure for how much longer they're going to survive under there. Uh, and in those deep depths, that's the, that's the other major concern. I, I just, uh, there was an interesting story that I saw going back to the, the point about the um, controller being used for for the submersible. I saw a story that said that the U.S. Navy's actually been using those in submarines since 2018. Really? Yeah, they've been well. Yeah. So I guess this one is actually a lot. The one that the submersible is using is a Logitech. So it's not. It looks like an Xbox one, but it's actually you know yeah. made specifically for computers. But they actually use straight up Xbox controllers and U.S. Navy subs, which I thought was fascinating. But those, I mean, those controllers are also pretty advanced. So it's not like it's just, it's not the simple piece of plastic with two buttons like an old Nintendo controller. They're yeah. they're pretty they're pretty um they're pretty intuitive. Yeah, the other thing is. Uh I was watching News Nation last night, and they were talking about, I guess, in this particular model that they went down in uh, this PVC pipes uh, and to discharge. I guess it's, it's as they go down further, the, uh, these PVC pipes, they, they serve as some kind of a, a, a weight, sometimes a weight 
Mm-hmm. And uh, if they said if for some reason the electrical power goes out or they have problems with the, the uh, electronics, uh, people just shift their weight to one side of the sub, and uh, those will fall off uh, the side of the sub. You know, but it, to me, from just looking at it, it looks like something that somebody just whipped up in their garage. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but if if I seen that and I was going to go down in those deep depths, there's no way I'd I'd board uh, one of those subs. It just looks like something that was just patched together in a garage. Yeah, and I, I hate to be morbid about it, but really, there has to be a resolution today, or else the resolution is not going to be a, a happy one. Yeah, well, I was uh, listening to some of the uh, former. Uh, Navy, uh, some of the uh, reconnaissance, and they said, you know, the high likelihood of them being found alive uh, after this much time is uh, pretty much nil, you know. Most likely that it's from their uh, experience, uh, most times they're not found alive. But hopefully they're the exception, you know. Yeah. And, and these aren't these aren't trained divers who know how to regulate their breaths either. So I ho- hopefully yeah. that they were able to keep them from panicking and, and keeping them. Yeah, well, you can't go down that further, but uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. But you can't go down those uh, depths uh, with a diver. It has to be a sub be- just because of the pressure exuded on the body. There's no way they'd survive a. Uh, no, a right, right. I just mean they're not. They're not. They might not be trained divers, like trained in the way that you would regulate your breath if you're a diver. So you know how right, to right. kind of control that. I think yeah. that you know there's probably there was probably a little bit of panic, and hopefully they kept them yeah. under control so they could conserve that oxygen. Sure. And the other thing is one last thing. It's very dark down there too. So I mean, uh, it's, it's trying to find a needle in a haystack just to put into context. You know. Yeah, well, let's let's see how it shakes out today. All and right, if not, Tim, we'll, you have a good day, Tim. You as well. Let's uh, let's hope that it has a a good resolution sometime in the next you know twelve hours or so. Uh, if not, then even if even if everybody does make it out safely, the question still has to be asked. You know, is this permitted to go forward? And who regulates this anyway? Who who decides whether or not somebody can go out there and do this? To me, it seems like the technology looks like it's there, but obviously it's not 100% if you have an issue like this. Now, other folks are looking at this as saying, well, you know, that's also like saying, would you abandon the the space program after the Challenger explosion? Well, they kind of did for a little while, but... Does that mean that you wouldn't explore space anymore because you've had, and there were other disasters, you know, the Apollo 13, you know, incident, which, of course, everybody's probably seen the movie by now. So you know all about what happened there. Now, they were able to get home safely, but obviously there were flaws. There were things that needed to be fixed and upgraded, and then they were able to continue on with space exploration. So does this mean that we can't send people down to the to the bottom of the ocean any ever again? Or does it mean that maybe we put a pause on doing it as a tourist venture? Yeah, I hate to be negative, but the idea of putting civilians up in space is a great idea until something goes wrong. And then you'll have a backlash against doing it. And we're already seeing a backlash against this. You know, people who are, even pe- the last caller, I wouldn't do it. I don't know why anybody would. Callers yesterday saying the same thing. I would never get in a sub like that. 
So I don't know. I guess part of it is, and if I had to, you know, play armchair psychologist, and you can certainly do the same at 508-996-0500, but if I had to play armchair psychologist, when you eventually have enough money, the motivating factor in your life is no longer material things. And I, I don't mean that as in like collecting material, like you want to go out and buy things. But, you know, how are we motivated every day? You and I, by waking up, going to work, earning the money that we need to take care of our, ourselves and our families, to be able to pay our bills, to be able to feed ourselves. You know, we get up every day and rightly or wrongly, we exist partially for the purpose of making sure we can continue to exist. When you are wealthy and you don't have to deal with those issues anymore, when you know that you'll be, you'll be just fine, your house is paid off, there's money in the bank to cover the property taxes in perpetuity, you never have to worry about where you're going to get your next meal, you never have to worry about if something goes wrong, paying the medical bills, you don't have to save because you just keep making more money. And when you get to that point, and some people would call that peace of mind. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But when you get to that point, what motivates you? What keeps you focused or what, what draws your passion once you forever have your creature comforts taken care of? Taken care of? And for some people, it's thrill-seeking. For the Richard Bransons of the world, it's what else crazy stuff can I do? And I think that you've got a new generation of wealth, people who have made significant money and are, are, are going to be fine for the rest of their lives and their families and their children and their children's children and their children's children. Their children's children. They're all going to be fine. So you don't have to focus on that day-to-day -day rat race anymore. So you're going to try to find things that pique your interest. And because of the technology that we have, we're able to push the boundaries in different limits. So the people that might have gone and gone skydiving, you know, 50 years ago, now say instead, well, I could, I've already gone skydiving a bunch of times and that doesn't fulfill the thrill anymore. Why don't I get in a submersible and go to the bottom of the ocean and see the Titanic? Why don't I get up in a little rocket and go, go up into orbit? Because you have to chase something that keeps you going. They, they say money can't buy happiness, but you know what it can buy? Adventure. So if you have these opportunities to go to these places, some, some folks are just going to be geared toward it and motivated toward it. Others might want to, you know, sit on the uh, chase lounge forever and have somebody feed them grapes. But others, especially those who, who fought and battled to make their money, when they don't need to fight and battle anymore, they need some other kind of adventure and motivator. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Oh, hold on. Let me hit that again. You're on WBSM. Morning. How are you? Good. Um, they said they lost comms with that submarine, what, an hour and 45 minutes into the... Something like uh, that, yeah. Now, you would think that 
um, you know, after after it lost comms with that uh, with the submarine, it doesn't take an hour and four. Well, it takes longer. I'm, I would assume it takes longer than an hour and forty five minutes to reach the bottom of the seafloor. Am I am I correct on that? Uh, I saw a graphic that said how long it would take. It was, some, it was something like two and a half hours. I think it was going to take them to to make the descent. Right. So, yeah, you you would think because of the pressure and everything. You know, they don't want to descend too fast. You know what I mean? Because of the right pressure change. But it's like. It's like, um, you know, when I was in the military, we always had contingency plans. If something went wrong or you lost comms, you know what I mean? You would have a backup plan and a contingency plan to, you know, in case that ever happens. And with a company that large, you know, you know, hosting, you know, a lot of wealthy people and, you know, pretty, pretty much important people, um, there would be contingency plans in, in place in case something like this did happen. Now, if it was an hour and 45 minutes into the descent and they lost comms, you'd think that they would start to re to reascend up, you know, ascend up to the, up to the surface and reestablish comms, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I, that's, that's the question that I have is did, you know, once they lost communication, was that, first of all, was that expected? Secondly, like how long did they start to panic? Because it was supposed to resurface at about six, I think six fifteen. I thought I saw six fifteen PM. Night, yeah. And so if that's the case, you know, were they just going to sit around and wait and say, well, let's see what happens? Well, yeah, that's like, um, I think they, I don't know if I heard it, if I, if I heard it on WBSM or if I heard it on the news station, but um, they said that, I guess it's normal. It's like a, it's like a, it's, it was normal in the past that they would lose comms for a little bit and then it would come back up. Um, or it could have been, you know, maybe somebody saying, you know, they think that, that, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't know. I remember the phone call. I don't. I don't know that it's you know uh, actually that way because they yeah. had communication with the Alvin sub while while right. they were doing that dive. And and by the way, it was two and a half hours. I just found that graphic. Uh, so it was expected to take two and a half hours to get from the surface down to the Titanic wreck site. Yeah. So you you kind of wonder now if that's the if it's the pilot's discretion whether or not to keep going or if it was the if it was the um, the, the the what's that called Ocean Gate. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it was if it was like the director's discretion, hey, just keep going, just keep pushing. You know what I mean? Even though that you've lost, you've lost comms with the, you know, we've lost comms. But it's like it's like uh, when you have that many people on a on a on a on a vessel, and you know, there's they start to lose communications. It's like you would all, you would almost think that there would be the you know up to the pilot's discretion. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna reascend. You know what I mean? I, I don't have comms in it. You know, I don't feel comfortable going any further without comms, and especially if it's not tied off either. Right. You know, I know there was a call, you know, a caller yesterday saying, "Hey, there should have been a barge with, you know, uh, fifteen thousand feet of, uh, of cable on it." You know what I mean? And that's you would think that that would be like a contingency plan. Hey, if we lose comms and we can't get back up to the surface, then at least we have that cable, and you know, they send a some sort of signal up, or ha- or the pilot has like a radio control or something to operate that cable in case they do get stuck well i mean just to to give you an idea it's about the the it's about seven or eight empire state buildings deep so that's a lot of cable that they would have to be carrying out there i I only got about 30 seconds before i gotta take a break yeah so um what oh god um i just had i just had a question for you too and it just slipped my mind um yeah if i if i figure if i if i remember the question I'll, i'll i'll shoot you an app chat sounds good 
All right. Thanks for the call. And uh, we do have to take a break here. When we come back on the other side, we'll go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. And we're going to go right into the newsroom with Adam Bass. The National Hurricane Center says Tropical Storm Brett is getting stronger as it heads towards the Caribbean. Forecasters say the storm's winds have increased by nearly 60 miles per hour. Brett is expected to move across portions of the Lesser Antilles by tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow evening, and then move across the Eastern Caribbean Sea on Friday, where it should pass south of the Dominican Republic. President Biden says Chinese President Xi is a dictator. Mark Mayfield with more. Biden made the comments Tuesday at a fundraiser in California when referring to the incident in February involving the Chinese spy balloon. He said that the reason she got upset when the balloon got shot down with two boxcars full of spy equipment was because he didn't know it was there, calling it a great embarrassment for dictators. The comments came a day after Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Xi in China in an effort to ease tensions between the countries. I'm Mark Mayfield. J.P. Morgan Chase says the late disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein got more than $300 million in tax incentives from the U.S. Virgin Islands. The bank said in a Tuesday night court filing that the U.S. Territory's government also waived sex offender monitoring requests, shielding Epstein as he gave cash to, and gifts to top officials. The Pentagon says an accounting error revealed last month overvalued military aid to Ukraine by roughly $6.2 million. More from Brian Shuck. It was announced Tuesday that the error includes fiscal years 2022 and 2023 when the U.S. transferred weaponry, services used replacement costs rather than net book value, according to officials. That resulted in overestimating the value of the equipment drawn down from the U.S. stocks and provided to Ukraine. The final calculation of the error exceeds the $3 billion that the Pentagon previously estimated. I'm Brian Shook. The NFL is reinforcing its gambling policy to players across the league. One of the key changes in the league will be that all rookies are now required to attend mandatory education sessions. League officials are also set to make the rounds to different team facilities in order to emphasize and clarify what activities are prohibited. The NFL gambling policy includes six key rules that are highlighted by not betting on any NFL games, not sharing any team inside information, and not participating in any daily fantasy games. Five NFL players were suspended due to gambling earlier this offseason. A Utah school district that banned the King James Bible is now reversing its decision. The Davis School District, just north of Salt Lake City, decided late May to remove the Bible from the elementary and middle school libraries because of a new state law that called for banning inappropriate books. A review committee of staff and parents in the district decided last month that the Bible contained vulgarity and violence and should be limited to high schools. The decision caused an uproar among Republican politicians. On Tuesday, the school board members voted unanimously to return the Bible to the all-ages library. And Aerosmith is unveiling a new Greatest Hits collections. The super deluxe edition of a sports of a whopping 44-song track list that chronologically traverses the band's 50-plus year career. The collectible piece is due for release on August 18th, just ahead of the band's farewell tour. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame indies will kick off the Peace Out concert in September 2nd in Philadelphia, wrapping up the run on January 26th in Montreal. In sports, the Red Sox continue their winning streak after beating the Minnesota Twins last night 10-4. The team hopes to add a seventh win to their streak tonight at Target Field in Minneapolis. First pitch at 7.40 p.m. And now here's your ABC6 weather forecast. 
For the first day of summer, expect those temperatures only to be about 68 degrees today. We'll be partly cloudy skies through the day. Sunset is 8.23 p.m. tonight. Overnight, we get down to about 51 degrees with mostly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, warming up a bit, we'll be in the 70s. Rain chances stay pretty minimal until we get into the weekend. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Skylar Spindler on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. It's currently 59 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And welcome back in. So today is the first day of summer. Summer will come along just a few minutes before 11 a.m. this morning. And it might be time to think about if you are going to be replacing your mattress, why not get a cooling mattress? A cooling mattress that's designed to maintain a neutral temperature while you sleep. It will absorb your body heat that will keep you cool. And then it will give you that heat back as you get cold. And these cooling mattresses are one of the many great mattresses that they offer over at Whirly Beds. Whirly Beds, made here, sold here. They make them right here in New Bedford. In fact, you can go over there and during the week you can watch them hand sewing the mattresses. But they have been doing this for the past 70 years. They know what you need to sleep as comfortably as you can. And it might be, you know, that they, you need a certain orthopedic mattress. It might be that you need uh, the firmest mattress around. It all depends on what is comfortable for you. They can help you find the perfect mattress, including those cooling mattresses for those of us that get a little bit too warm while we're sleeping at night. I've got the window open, two fans and I have no blankets over me. I need a cooling mattress, so I'm going to go down to Whirly Beds and find out more about that. Again, they are handcrafted. You can take the tour, and you can see Manny hand-sewing mattresses five days a week. Even if you've had a mattress for the past few years and you think that you're okay, but yet you're, you're waking up achy and sore, it, it's probably because you didn't buy a good quality mattress. You bought one of those mattresses in a box, and now you're regretting it. Head on down to Whirly Beds. They will help you find the perfect mattress to help you get the perfect night's sleep. Go down to the store, talk to Patrick, Martha, or the rest of the Whirly team, and ask them how to start feeling more supported when you wake up in the morning, more comfortable when going to sleep at night, and what the power of a great night's rest can do for your overall health. Visit Whirly Beds on Pope's Island in New Bedford, or give them a call and ask them all of your sleep questions. Speaking of questions, uh, John said that he would send a, an app chat message with the question of a pop back into his head, and he did. He said, uh, I remembered my question, did they end up going into the ship? And from my understanding, no, the, these, these submersibles only give you a tour of the wreckage. So they get you up close to the ship, but you can't go inside the ship because there's just not enough um, wide open spaces for a submersible to get through. When they put the Jason ROV through uh, back in 1985-86 when they were putting that through there even that was getting tangled because that was a corded vehicle that was tied back to the Alvin sub that was outside the Titanic so that was you know getting caught up in places and even though a lot of the Titanic has deteriorated away since then it's also you know just too dangerous it would be too dangerous to, to 
to float in there. Also, it's a grave. And I think that that's a part of it too. You know, that you wouldn't want to go in there. It would be like going to a cemetery. You can go and walk through the cemetery and you can pay your respects and, and, and read the gravestones and all that, but you're not going to open up the crypt and walk into the crypt and start taking the lids off of some of the sarcophaguses. So I think it's kind of that same idea of even if you could get in, you probably wouldn't go in. But there's some very interesting information. If you, if you go back, and I haven't watched this report, but I found a write-up about it. And then I went over to the Wikipedia page for this event, which again, Wikipedia, you know, you have to be careful. But it relates to this CBS Sunday, CBS News Sunday morning feature that aired, um, I think, in 2022. Their technology reporter, David Pogue, actually went down on one. He was one of the people that went down on one of the, the previous missions. There's been three expeditions down to the Titanic, and he was in one of them. And he, in that report, questioned the safety of the Titan, the submersible. Because they had an issue where when he was on the board, they lost communications with the surface. He commented about how, and, and this is a, a quote that he used, it seems like to, to the person in charge of, of everything, it seems like this submersible has some elements of MacGyvery jerry-riggedness. And he noted that $30 Logitech Bluetooth game controller with modified control sticks being used to steer and pitch the sub submersible, as well as the construction pipes that are used as the ballast. So he had a report then where he said, this seems like it's been rushed. And yet people still got, got on board, literally and figuratively. So these concerns, I think, have to be addressed, even if... They figure out what the problem was and they say, oh, this won't happen in any future endeavors. They have to shore up some of this, these um, components, at least to make people feel better about it. Now, when he went through and he was going on this expedition, he was saying how all passengers who enter the Titan, sign a waiver confirming their knowledge that it is an experimental vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, or death. Another person of note who completed the, the expedition and went down to the Titanic was Mike Reese, who is a longtime producer of The Simpsons, and, uh, and he's worked in television for decades. He also completed the expedition, and he noted that the waiver mentions death three times on page one. So this is, this is something that they are making you aware of, but I don't know if anybody's taking it seriously. 508-996-0500. We'll take a break and be back in a few moments. Um.
Do you know where Phil Collins recorded that song? He recorded that song in the Stu Stu Studio. No? Not even a chuckle? All right. Well, it was a total dad joke. Speaking of dads, happy birthday to my son, Adam, if he's listening. Uh, happy birthday to you. And uh, can't believe that you're already 19 years old. Man, uh, just a couple more years, I'll be taking him out for his first beer. So if you didn't get a chance to see at WBSM.com and on the app, uh, the article that I wrote yesterday for the 48th anniversary of the release of the film Jaws, go check it out because I wrote about New Bedford's connection to the film and also WBSM's connection to the film because former WBSM talk show host Henry Carrero has a speaking role in the film Jaws. Maybe you knew that already. Maybe you didn't know. But in the movie, after they have the two victims of the shark attack, you know that, uh, of course, Alex Kintner is the the one that really kind of kicks everything off. And the mayor puts a bounty out on whoever can capture the shark. So all these amateur shark hunters are out in the water looking for this thing. And there are some fishermen who come in with a shark that they say is the culprit. And certainly the mayor is willing to say it's the culprit because he just wants to move on with the 4th of July weekend. But when they have that shark, which turns out to be a tiger shark. If you remember the scene, there's a, a, a character named Felix. And I don't think they actually ever say his name in the film. But there's a character named Felix who has on like a checkered coat and a hat. And he's looking at this tiger shark. I'm sorry, it's a, it's a pale blue jacket, a yellow shirt and a hat. And he's looking at this tiger shark. And he has a couple of kind of memorable lines. He says, it's got a deep throat, Pratt. Pratt being the, the fisherman who caught it. It's got a deep throat, Pratt. And then he says, that's a big mouth. Look at it. Talking to um, Richard Dreyfuss's character. So... That is actually Henry Carrero, former WBSM and WSAR talk show host. He also had a talk show on Martha's Vineyard, which is where he's from originally. And he was living on the vineyard, running a construction company and doing his radio show while also doing some summer stock theater out there. And that led to him getting a, a chance to act in the movie Jaws. So he has those, those two memorable lines in the film. In a very memorable scene. That was in 1975 the film was released. So, you know, assume it was probably filmed in 74. In 1979, he came to New Bedford to take a job working here at WBSM. Well, not here in the old studios, but... And then he was here for a little bit, and then he went on to WSAR, and then he went to work with uh, some of the labor unions, and he won numerous awards... So you can read all about his interesting life and his role in Jaws at WBSM.com and on the app. And if you go to our Facebook page, people are also commenting with some other interesting connections between the movie and the city. And I knew that there would be more. You know, I knew that if once I put this out there, because there has to be. It's too, Martha's Vineyard is too close and... There was too much involved in that production. 
So I knew that there would be some other stories that would come up, uh, people that might have been connected to it. Debbie says uh, local Teamsters worked on the movie. Uh, there was uh, another comment that I saw where it said that, you know, obviously, um, well, this one here, Bill says, at the same time Jaws was being filmed, my construction crew was building a telephone building for AT&T in Edgartown. My brother Charlie and my friend Manny were trying to get parts in the movie. I had to crack the whip on Charlie to get work on the buildings in progress. The workers enjoyed seeing the movie in progress at my expense. Uh, and then I saw some comments about, you know, Steven Spielberg having to, to fly over from New Bedford and all kinds of other things. So check out the article. If you have any Jaws connections that you want to add into the comments on Facebook, you can do that. And uh, it's just, you know, a nice story in recognition of the film's anniversary and in recognition of uh, a direct local connection to the film, which I, again, I think is overrated and not a horror film. Don't at me. We don't have to at me. You can call me. 508-996-0500. We'll be back in a few. Come. Are you...